1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode four of the Haunted Visions podcast. We are dedicated to stories of the paranormal, spine chilling history, and adventures into the darkness of the unknown. So grab a flashlight, lock your doors, curl up under your blankets, and prepare to be scared.
0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode four of Haunted Visions. I'm Brandy, and with me, as always, is Rachel.
1: Hey, everybody.
0: So um, today we were kind of trying to mix things up just a little bit, um, and we want to talk about, we're going to have like a block of urban legends. Um, and so we're going to do, you know, those haunting campfire stories that you always hear. Or you hear it, especially oh, yeah. girls at slumber parties. Oh, yeah. And things like that. We'll so, get into
1: a slumber party story here soon.
0: Y- yay. <laughs> um, so uh, what we want to what we want to do is kind of do three or four of these, not in a couple of different episodes, um, because a lot of times um, they in fact, the one that I covered, the one that I wrote the script on. Um, I was really surprised at the origins of the story and things like that. So um, we want to we want to talk about some of these. And there are thousands of urban legends. And so if you know of one that you want us to research or cover, um, shoot us an email. We'll give you the email here in a little bit. But shoot us an email because we're always looking um, for some interesting um, stories to get into. So.
1: Oh, yeah. And, And any UFO or cryptids cryptid esque stories that you might have as well.
0: Yeah. So we we love we love listener stories. So yeah, um, what we're going to do is we're going to start with the Bloody Mary urban legend. Yes. Um, And this was one that we always kind of you always kind of messed with at your slumber parties. You never you could never go all the way but you stood there just long enough to see if anything would happen. Um, And you know, so I'm going to let Rachel go ahead and, and cover this one for me.
1: Oh, yeah. So Bloody Mary, of course, is I think that's both of our one of our personal favorites just because it's so creepy. And you're right, I never went all the way. I'd get to the third time of mm-hmm. yelling and be like, nope, I'm out. I can't out. do this anymore. I would cry myself to sleep and have to, you know, just deal with it for the night. But anyway, so Bloody Mary, she lurks in the shadows and just beyond your reach in the mirror. Simply say her name three times and she shall appear before you. Some say she will slit your throat, steal your soul, or cover you in scratches. Others claim she will appear weeping and covered in blood. Few claim that she appears holding a dead baby in her arms. She is part of an old and dark legend that dates back many generations. She is none other than Bloody Mary.
0: Yeah. So, I just want to preface this by saying the room is not dark. There are no <laughs> mirrors. So, I think we're okay for now. For now, Brandy. I know. It's not
1: cool. <laughs> uh, so, the legend of Bloody Mary is often told at many slumber parties. Mm-hmm. Little girls will gather their courage and shut themselves into a dark bathroom and turn off all the lights. They will then gaze anxiously into the mirror by candlelight and chant Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary. Their minds swirling with panic and their hearts pounding out of the confines of their chests. They will wait for her ghoulish face to appear in the mirror. It's almost a rite of passage for most prepubescent girls to participate in such a twisted ritual. It's kind of messed up, honestly, but it's very interesting.
0: It is messed up.
1: <laughs> so, uh, in old urban legend, uh, Bloody Mary's story is quite tragic. Um, upon doing research, uh, historically I found that Bloody Mary is based off the life of uh, Queen Mary the I. And Queen Mary I was born in 1516 in Greenwich, England. Mary was the only child of Catherine of Aragon and the murderous King Henry VIII. Um, mad and bad King Henry VIII is a whole other story all on his own. The dude was certified, certifiably batshit insane. I don't know if you know much about him. I assume mm-hmm. history books have probably told everybody about this in high school,
0: but he was nuts. I've seen the Tudors.
1: Yeah, he's, he's messed up. So... Uh, Mary had many feminine health issues after she reached puberty, which included irregular menstruation, intense abdominal pain, and feeling sick on most days. And when the time came for her to produce an heir, she married King Philip of Spain in 1553. And by that time, Mary was already 37, which back in those days basically meant she was an old woman. So why they took forever to marry her off is kind of beyond me. She is. She was like damaged goods. And, you know, that whole situation with Catherine of Aragon and King Henry VIII, mm-hmm. it wasn't a good situation. So um, she was 37 and um, whispers of her infertility and inability to produce an heir spread throughout the kingdom. There were many rumors. Um, Mary was so determined to get pregnant after sleeping with King Philip. She had everyone convinced that she was indeed with child right away. Mm-hmm. She just basically did the deed and said, oh, I'm, I'm pregnant. Months and months came and went and Mary hardly showed a few signs of being pregnant, which included a baby bump and feeling faint, which to most people would probably tell her, you know, oh yeah, she is pregnant. Sure. She was convinced that she was with child. Her physicians eventually gave up trying to predict her due date and told her she was not going to have a child once her stomach suddenly flattened. So out of nowhere. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Mary distraught went to Philip again and began trying to conceive an heir. By this point, no one took Mary seriously when she would tell them that she was pregnant. During this time, the Catholics and the Protestants were in a hate-filled feud, which I'm sure a lot of you also heard in high school from your history books. Mm -hmm. And Mary, being raised as a Catholic, took it upon herself to aid the Catholics in the feud. She signed off on burning dozens of Protestants at the stake. Some say that she did this to get revenge on the kingdom, for not truly respecting her, and for undervaluing her worth as an heirless ruler. And this tragedy then earned her the nickname Bloody Mary. Yay! So that kind of makes sense with everything. Sure. Mary never did conceive, and she had died shortly after her 42nd birthday. And um, a lot of history, you know, history scholars and physicians think that it's believed that Mary's feminine problems and once thought pregnancy symptoms were actually signs of uterine and ovarian cancer, which would make a lot of sense why her stomach would be swollen and. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it explains the the pain and the nausea that she had, um, without excusing her heinous act of burning so many souls at the stake in the name of religion, Mary did have a sad and painful life and miserable end. And one may even define her dismal tale as karma, basically mm-hmm. for what she did. Um, so how did this monarch become the focal point of an urban legend? Well, I'm going to tell you. All right. Back in Victorian times, there was another fictional superstition that many young women would partake in, Um, and in Victorian times, the spiritual movement was huge. Right. So, um, and while holding on to a hand mirror, a young woman would stare into the mirror and chant about wanting to see her future husband. After a few minutes of staring, a ghost or supernatural force was supposed to reveal the reflection of her future beloved. Somehow, this is thought to have crossed over with the story of Bloody Mary. And in the mid-1900s, the urban legend of Bloody Mary was born. By the late 1960s, slumber party goers everywhere began spreading the legend like wildfire. Young girls everywhere would share share terrifying accounts of how a woman's image would morph into their own reflection into the mirror. Really creepy. Yeah. And I used to have little girls at school that would swear to me that they saw Bloody Mary and she almost got me. Oh, no. Yeah. So, um, oddly enough, though, science offers an interesting explanation for this crazy phenomenon. It's called the Troxler effect. Okay. In a nutshell, this theory explains what our brains do to keep us from focusing too hard on everything that's going on around us. And it's basically a way to keep us sane so we don't go crazy if we're staring at the same thing repeatedly for more than five minutes. And so if you stare at an object for too long, our brains will automatically distort the image. If you have ever tried testing out some of the random optical illusions that are on the internet or maybe in an old Ripley's Believe It or Not book, you will have experienced the Troxler effect at some point or another in your life.
0: Some of those pictures that you saw at the mall all the time a couple oh, years ago. That, mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. Um, and there's all kinds of really cool optical illusions all over the place on the internet. If someone wants to give this a try, it's really, really creepy. Um, Your brain's neurons basically try to cancel out the visual information that you're receiving when you stare at something. It's pretty cool. So science, bro. Yeah. (laughs) Cue the weird 1980s weird science song. (laughs) I love that song. (laughs) I do too. Um, So whether you believe in Bloody Mary or not. Locking yourself in a dimly lit room and staring deeply into your own reflection until you slip slowly into madness is still unsettling. So Mm -hmm. I would suggest contacting a practicing psychiatrist if you find yourself performing this ritual often. (laughs) Um, And urban legends are usually based upon some piece of real tangible history. And that's what makes them so fascinating. So make sure you tell your kids about Bloody Mary because it's our duty as contributing members of society to pass along these urban legends so that they be, can be around for generations to come and plus real life is way too freaking boring without a good story
0: it is and i now feel like you know it's our job to terrify our children yes so you know we're talking about urban legends and they, and it's it's funny how these things come about like i don't i don't know how many of you out there have children but my my son is is six, and they have this thing called Five Nights at Freddy's. Oh, God. Uh, please. <laughs> and so I finally, I looked this up as I was doing all this because um, my son, while he knows that they're not real now, mm-hmm. um, he thinks at one point they were real, and this is their story. Um, this story
1: kids imaginations i'm telling you
0: (laughs) so the story goes for those of you who are not fortunate to be inundated with this stupid story (laughs) um the story goes that this guy um owned a pizza parlor much like showbiz pizza or chuck e cheese i Mm -hmm. love showbiz chuck e cheese sucks but anyway (laughs) um but with all these animatronic um things
1: Oh, that's creepy. Those and are just creepy on them. They are on their own.
0: And, you know, the um so he owned this. Well, he was also a bit of a mad scientist and he would um you know put he would he designed all these animatronics and he was a, a bit of a wizard with that kind of stuff, but he would also kidnap these children and put them in these suits and they would die. And so the Five Nights of Freddy is supposed to be right is supposed to be these animatronics come to life with the the souls of these children trying to get out and get revenge and all this. That's so jacked up. It is completely jacked up. And like I said, my son doesn't think that they happen now because that's crazy talk. (laughs) <laughs> um, but he believes that it happened in the past and those, and this is kind of how urban legends get born is that, you know, you have, you have these little kids, yep. um, New that generation. their parents tell them a story mm-hmm. or their parents do what, you know, or they hear it on the bus where you hear everything. Um, they'll hear it on the bus and it kind of grows and it, and it expands and all of yes. a sudden there's this and there's that. And that's a lot, the, the one that I'm going to talk about, that's a, really a lot of what happened with this because um, it, it started out very very um, innocuously. It was a are we talking about the Candy Man? Talking about the Candy Man, yeah. Candy Man, um, can yeah. Well, and there's a <laughs> lot of. Um, there was a guy in Texas. They called him the Candy Man, um, but that's not what the story is based on. They called him the Candy Man because he um, replaced a bunch of uh, took a bunch of Pixie Sticks and replaced the sugar inside with cyanide, and got his kids to um, got his kids to take them. Um, killed a bunch of neighborhood kids too so I mean and they called him the candy man I'm right please
1: tell me he got arrested and got the death penalty yeah
0: he got arrested but um Ugh. but that's not what this is this is based on candyman actually this it's very very recent it's a very recent phenomenon um and it comes from um it comes from a couple of different places it's a it's a combination of um, a book or a short story that was written by Clive Barker okay um back in the 70s or 80s. Um, and some things that were going on in this housing project in Chicago,
1: which was a real place, I think you once yes, told me, it right? Was absolutely okay. a
0: real place. So creepy. Um, and so, and they made a movie about it, and that kind of solidified everything together to what the legend of it is today. That so, gave me
1: nightmares. That movie
0: um, terrified I cried. me. I cried. Did I- you cry? Oh, oh yeah. Gosh. I, My- I saw it. Um, It was it came out in ninety two, and I saw it. um, and it, it it made me cry and i was old enough to know better yeah but that was like the blair witch remember the blair witch
1: see i never i never got into the blair witch but it it did creep me out just the camera the camera movements right. and it almost you know it just discombobulates you when you're watching it but that's the part that scared me and then my mom later explained the story of what it was mm-hmm. cuz i guess my young mind at first didn't get it And then I got scared and I decided I was never going to watch it. (laughs) I was checking
0: under cars. I'm looking. I won't go in the woods. All Mm -hmm. kinds of stuff. Of course, that was completely made up. Um, But it was I'm sure it was based on something. Yeah. But the Candyman is an urban. It's a myth. uh, And it's about the ghost of a slave who returns from the dead um, in search of revenge. If you say his name five times. And again, it's in front of a mirror in the you know, I don't even think it has to be dark. You're just in front of a mirror. Right. And you say Candyman five times and, you know, he will he will come to visit you.
1: Ugh.
0: Uh, not a visit that you want. No. Um, it's the basis for the Candyman film that came out in the early 90s. Um, he'll appear behind you and you say his name, you know, look in the mirror, say his name five times. And he doesn't even screw around just appearing. Um, he will appear from the mirror covered in blood and bees and kill you with his hook. Ugh. Yeah.
1: So it's almost like it almost feels like an maybe another like take on like the Grim Reaper. How the Grim Reaper will show up with their bit. scythe or whatever. Yeah. Kind of
0: like that. Yeah. Um, so the legend has it. This legend um, had it that many years ago, the Candyman was a slave named Daniel Robotali which Mm. I'm sure is not how you say his name
1: because
0: he worked on a plantation in New Orleans. So I'm sure it's really one of those Cajun pronunciations that are really cool that I can't do. (laughs) Um, So he works on this plantation in New Orleans and he's a talented, he's a very talented painter. Hmm. And he's chosen by the plantation owner to paint a portrait of his daughter, um, Caroline. Okay. And of course they fall in love um, while he's painting her picture. And when the plantation owner discovers their tryst, um, he raises an angry mob mm-hmm. and chases Daniel out of town. Well, that's just rude. Well, armed with pitchforks and a pack of dogs, the mob catches Daniel. Um, they it off his right hand with a rusty uh, saw blade. They cover him with honey and then basically um, crack a beehive over him. <sighs> so he's stung, and it's uh, you know, and it's awful. It's a horrible God. way to die. But, you know, he dies from his injuries and now he roams the earth looking for revenge for this.
1: Of course, that's why Hollywood wanted to do this story because that's gruesome.
0: Well, right. But it also um, is an interesting combination from an interesting combination of people and places and, mm-hmm. and things that are, you know, actual real life. Okay. Um, and like I said, it's a fairly recent urban legend that got started. Right. So the other half of this urban legend comes from Chicago. And they, so back in the 1950s, um, Chicago had this, um, this idea. Um, so it, they were going to take all of these, they were trying to uh, gentrify some of the outlying neighborhoods. So they were okay. putting this, what they were call affordable housing. They were trying to put them in different places. Okay. Um, around, around town. Um, so. It, the, they would try and get these places in there and the into white, like white middle class areas. But the white aldermen uh, were not about to tolerate public housing in their wards. Okay. So the projects ended up being black ghettos in the middle of town. Um, the Abbott homes uh, were one example of the abomination of Chicago's public housing. But there were also Robert Taylor homes Stateway Gardens, Ida B. Wells Homes, Dearborn Homes, uh, the Ikes Homes, uh, were on the south side, Rockwell Gardens and Horner Homes were on the west side, and then probably the most famous of all these was Cabrini Green, and it was on, it was near the north side. Okay. Um, most of these buildings were built or expanded in the 1950s and 60s, um, Let's see. And like I said, they were designed for people with modest means. Um, So anyway, soon these, these homes just were filled with African Americans on public aid. Okay. The projects were woefully funded by the Department of Housing and Urban Development, and the Chicago Public Housing Authority saved what money they could by not maintaining them.
1: Which is really sad, and they give them all these, like in my opinion, beautiful names and make them sound ritzy, and it's just yeah. so not the case.
0: So, so what you have is a bunch of run down public housing homes mm-hmm. um, in these neighborhoods, um, and robbery and assaults weren't unusual for these neighborhoods, mm-hmm. uh, and actually neither was murder um so what happened was uh there was one that made you know that made its way to the big screen that combined with this children's fairy tale of the of the young man the young slave, yeah uh became a cautionary tale for those low income children back in the nineties okay so so if you've ever seen the movie um if you've ever seen the movie, it's about this grad student that goes to Chicago, she goes into Cabrini Greens. And she's looking for she could because she's heard about this murder that's happened, mm-hmm. and she goes in there, and of course everybody attributes this murder and things that happened to the Candyman. Um, and she she begins to research it, and she becomes, uh, you know, really wrapped up in it. And eventually, of course, the Candyman kills her because it's she's a obsessive. movie, yeah, because it's a movie. But yeah. the the true story is actually really sad. Um, There was a victim of a murder. It was 52-year-old Ruthie Mae McCoy. Okay. Um, She may have been schizophrenic, but she was definitely paranoid. Okay. Um, And on an April evening in 1987, she was shot to death by somebody who entered her apartment, now get this, through the hole in the bathroom wall that was there for her medicine cabinet. This is is true? This is absolutely true. This actually happened. So, you know... In these public housing places, the walls are really thin, and if you're yeah. going to have an inset medicine cabinet, a lot of times they'll just drill a hole in the wall and then back medicine cabinets up together. Okay, you know what I mean. So yeah. the hole's covered, but the medicine cabinets are back to back. Okay. So, so that somebody got in her apartment that way. Um, McCoy heard the intruder or intruders coming. She called nine one one. She told the dispatcher, you know, frantically that someone had thrown down the medicine cabinet.
1: Oh, my God.
0: uh, And was breaking in. Two neighbors also called police and reported hearing gunfire in her apartment. But when the officers responded to her door that night, they didn't enter. They left. They knocked. Nobody answered. They left. Which Um, is
1: really effed up if you
0: think about it. well, Well, the officers probably didn't want to stay there any longer than they needed to. Oh, yeah. Um, and it was not until a return visit two days later that they found uh, Miss Ruthie May decomposing on the living room floor. Oh. Um, so the movie, what the movie did was it took both of these stories, one of them very true and one of them made up, yeah. and combined them. So, yeah. So that there was, you know, there was the very harsh reality of Cabrini Green um, and the medicine cabinets and the thin walls and all this. And it had this, you know, element of superstition mm-hmm. or a story that went with it. Yeah. Now, you know, for people that live in these... um that live in these kind of areas and things like that. Mm-hmm. A lot of times they look for explanations where there's just not one bad things happen. Right. Um, and they just, they look for these explanations or they, you know, they want to scare their kids to not going out or not doing something because it's dangerous right. for them. Right. So the one way to do it is to, is by, you know, throwing something out there that is building that's, on the story. It's built on the yep. story. Yeah. So after the movie, uh, that was released in 1992 the legend that had taken shape on screen became a really a living thing in life um candy became the explanation for the unexplainable for the violence and for the poverty and for children to do what they were told because the Candyman could be summoned very easily to come in and you know and they would be dealt with um Ugh. and so it was very very it it started there it was very right. prevalent there this this legend and then it you know with the movie and everything else um it was very prevalent there and then it of course spread itself out um so it's you know it's it's one of those things that it starts out innocently enough or not innocently poor little ruthie may right um not innocently but it helps people explain things they don't understand Right or the horrors that they see.
1: Right, and that's why I was shocked when I was doing research on on Bloody Mary. I'm like, wow, this is from the 1500s. You know, this, yeah, this originated out of nowhere, and the you know this, the Victorian age almost from from a totally separate thing with you know the the, the ladies looking in the hand mirror and right, and then. You know, combined with something from the 1500s and then started originating and showing up in the 1950s and 1960s. It just makes you wonder, like, who was that one person that was talking to their child that yeah. said this and put the fear of God into them for them sure. to go spread this to everybody? Right. It's crazy.
0: So, yeah. Well, and like I said, I was surprised if mine was just so recent and mm-hmm. so, you know... Such a an amalgamation of, a, of so many different things. Um, right. Because Candyman also, like I said, he comes through the bathroom mirror. You don't have to have the lights turned off. You don't have
1: anything. You, you don't have, have to have anything.
0: But he'll show up and not just scare you, but allegedly kill you with his hook.
1: Right. Well, that just scares the crap out of me that someone was able, even able to break into someone through someone's bathroom cabinet. I know the walls were thin, but that's just terrifying. Evidently,
0: that's not uncommon. But, you know, since what? then, Cabrini Green's been torn down because it was such an awful mm. awful place to grow up and yeah, Mr. T grew up there evidently and you know it's just it's an awful way to have to grow up with living not just with the fear of the supernatural things that happen there right b- but with the actual reality of having all these things that Ugh. that happen there No thanks yeah and <laughs> and you know shame on the city of Chicago for you know for letting that happen right you know that's that's awful. Yeah, shame on them for that. Absolutely. So that's our that is our little bit right now on um, on urban legends. Yep. Um, and so now uh, we're going to go with ghastly ghost. So um, as part of this segment, we read our listener uh, submissions, and um, we've gotten quite a few, and so we're going to read a couple of them uh, this morning today. And um so I'm gonna start out by reading one that came from a listener of ours named Callie Jones.
1: Um, Love you, Callie.
0: Yes. <laughs> uh, Callie is also fairly grounded. Um she's not taken to yeah. uh, you know, flights of fancy and and things like that. So um so I'm gonna I'm gonna read this. It's it's kind of extensive. Um she's got you know, she's got a whole bunch of stuff here. So she
1: got a couple different things. She's had she's had some crazy experiences, Brandy.
0: Right. So Let's, st- let's go with this. Let's start this. So she says, Forewarning, I've apparently had encounters with ghosts or spirits from a very young age. So I have a lot of stories. Some of them my mother has told me because I was only four or five. Uh, this is just the few that are clear enough for myself or my mother to remember the details. We'll call these baby spirits because whatever they are, they're kids. Mm. So let's see. She's, one of her stories is when I was four... My mother walked in on me playing by myself. I was laughing and talking to no one that she could see. She asked why I was laughing, and I said I was playing with the babies that weren't born. Then I said I wish she could have had them because I wanted a brother or sister. Oh. My mother freaked and just walked out because before they had me, my parents had four miscarriages that I wouldn't have had any way of knowing about. Um, there's an incident with her son, with Callie's son. Uh, we were playing. We were planning his fifth birthday, and my boyfriend went into my son's room to make sure he didn't walk in to hear about this surprise. He came out about ten minutes later, pulled me aside, and started asking me about my other son. Well, I only have one child, so I was a little confused. He told me that they'd been playing, and my boyfriend answered a text from his brother. He told my son, hey, Kay, he says hi. Then Kay just looked really sad and goes, I miss my brother a lot. What? Kay then tells my boyfriend that his big brother was taken by a big man in black. He saw him sometimes, but the man would come and take him away before they could play together. He said it scared him because when the man grabs his brother, he would start to bleed and then they'd be gone. What? My boyfriend tried to calm my son down, but he just got really sad, so he came to get me. I went into his room and asked my son what was going on. He just looked at me and said, I didn't want to tell you that my brother comes here because he said you would be sad. The man comes to get him and it scares me. I just want to play with him. So before I had my son, I had a miscarriage at five months after a really bad accident that left me bruised up with broken ribs. No, I'd never told my son about that and don't plan to until he's much older. He's never spoken about it again. We've asked him about it a few times. He only says it would make me too sad. No." It freaked us both out, and when I told my mom, that's when she told me about me talking with my spirits when I was a kid. So, this is the last full story. When I was five, my mom took me trick-or-treating in the next town over because they gave out better candy. We have a neighborhood like that. It's my my parents' neighborhood. We go trick-or-treating there. They give out full-size I used to go a couple
1: neighborhoods over, too. Yeah. Yeah.
0: We were stopped at the house of some... We... Oh, we were stopped at the house of some family friends and she was just talking to the wife when I started walking to the house. She ran up and stopped me, but I started telling her that I was going to play with that little girl. My mom and her friend, Linda, were trying to remind me that they didn't have kids, but I wasn't having any of it. I was mad, asking them why they were lying. I kept pointing to the upstairs window. just kept saying I wanted to play. My mom says they didn't see anything, but they took me inside to prove that there was no one there. Linda had just moved into the house with her husband a few months before, and I, never having been to this house before, walked right upstairs into the last bedroom down the hall. My mom heard me saying, Hi, you want some candy? And when they got to the room, I was alone, but talking to the air. Linda got upset because the room was super cold and the rest of the house was toasty from the heater. Later, she told my mom that weird things had been happening since they moved in and me talking to nothing had been the last straw. They stayed but did some research on the house. It was built in the mid-1800s and the first family that lived there had all died when a huge yellow fever epidemic hit the town. The parents, the wife's mother, and their small daughter all passed away from the illness. Linda and her husband never felt scared, but lights would be turned out as if no one was in the room. Hmm. They would hear faint humming from what they assumed was the grandmother's room. You could also hear a rocker when you're downstairs, and it stops when you get down the hallway upstairs. Only once did it get scary. When they were doing renovation in the kitchen, they woke up hearing dishes crashing and cabinets being flung open. When they went, to, when they went down to see, the cabinets were all open, but no dishes were broken. And then a couple of months later, they were painting the outside in new color. He woke up hearing these really loud, violent, scraping noises right under his window. There was no damage when he went to look, but it happened every night until he painted the house its original color. Hmm. There have been a few paranormal investigation groups that stayed the night, and they've felt things recorded voices and temperature changes. I've been back since I was five. I don't remember the actual incident from when I was five, but I went back when I was 16, and I heard the little girl running around and humming. It's very faint. You almost feel like you're imagining it. Once I was standing in the living room by myself looming, looking sorry looking for the remote when it got really cold and I felt a hand on my back like I was being nudged toward the couch. There are two cemeteries in my small town and the bigger of the two has a lot of energy. We, en- we ended up there often because it was a road that cuts through into town and we had nothing better to do. I've been there with some friends late at night and we've all seen what we think is a kid running around. You always see them from the corner of your eye, but when you turn, there's nothing there. It's never scary when it happens, just odd. I've heard a little voice that just says hi very quietly, always in the same area of the grounds. I've heard it so often that once before I'd heard it, I sat next to a tree that's there to see if it would say more. It never said anything but hi when one of my friends wandered by. The only reason I don't think I'm crazy is because my friend Kevin, on an occasion when I wasn't there did shrooms and ended up by that tree waving at nothing and just saying well hello to you too when i was 16 my mom and i went to a new orleans jazz festival which is awesome by the way oh yeah we met up with her best friend and her daughter who is a month older than me well i hate to say this because she's a cool person but when leah was younger she was a pain in the ass Scared of everything, and we had a ghost tour scheduled for our first night in town. But she whined so hard that we canceled it. But my mother and I said, screw that, and decided to grab some food and wander around by ourselves. We knew nothing of New Orleans at this time, and the only memories my mom had were of Mardi Gras. So boobs, booze, and puking on a cop's shoes. (laughs) That sounds like a hell of a trip. (laughs) Exactly. We were just aimlessly wandering and ended up on Royal Street. As we're standing on the corner trying to decide what we want to do next, I hear a scream, see something falling out of the corner of my eye and hear this loud thud. It was very clear and I looked around to see what happened. There was nothing and no one was reacting to the scream or the thud. My mom didn't hear anything and the first, and the few people milling around were just laughing and going about their lives. I then started smelling smoke and I swear I smelled burnt skin and hair. Ugh. It's a very distinct smell, and you don't forget it. That is true.
1: Have you ever had any burnt burning of the hair or anything happen to you before? Oh, I've smelled it, yeah. Uh,
0: I crossed the street to the building on the corner. You know what? My most, th- and this is jacked up, but there was a girlfriend of mine that um, she would... Light a match, and she would sniff the smoke and blow it out her mouth because that's healthy things that fourteen year old <laughs> girls do. Right. <laughs> so I remember she had just lit this match, and her dad um, came in the house, mm-hmm. and it freaked her out. So she kind of jerked, and she burnt off her eyelashes and her eyebrow. Like it didn't hurt her, but she had she burnt off all. It like, was all singed off. It was all singed. Ugh. Hilarious because she wasn't. <laughs> She wasn't hurt. Did she had to draw her eyebrows. Hilar- oh yeah. Because then we had to figure out what we were gonna do. Oh
1: man. Yeah. Did she she could have had like put did she have bangs or anything she could have put over her eyebrow?
0: D- yeah, well, no, honey, this was this was when there were bangs that were up high. They weren't down low. Was like this that. the eighties? No, it was early nineties, late eighties, yeah. Yeah.
1: Big hair was in.
0: Oh, I miss big hair. <laughs> uh, let's see. I crossed the street to the building on the corner and the smell got stronger. I'm looking for an accident or a fire, and the crazy woman next to me is just babbling on about how beautiful the buildings are. The smoke smell was was so bad that my asthma started acting up, and I had to use my albuterol inhaler, while my mother was having zero reactions, and her asthma is ten times worse than mine. Small amounts of dust can set her into an asthma attack. Finally, I just had to accept that there was nothing wrong, and she drags me away to continue our outing. Two nights later, we go on the ghost tour. Without her friend and the daughter, and we're having a blast, we end up on Royal Street, stopping right where we'd stopped a couple nights before. Our tour guide, who looked exactly like Ron White, hilarious, yeah, yeah. informs us that the building I was convinced was on fire, ah, was the LaLaurie, the LaLaurie Mansion, Ooh. an infamous house where Madame LaLaurie and her husband had tortured and mutilated their slaves, as in American Horror Story.
1: Oh, yeah, of course. And we
0: also did a thing on them uh, on history dweebs. Um, my, let's see, here we go. Uh, it went on for years until a slave had deliberately set a fire in the kitchen and the townspeople discovered the abhorrent conditions of the slaves in the attic. Yeah. My mother, drunkenly, because this is New Orleans, opens her mouth to tell our guide that she'd smelled a fire the other night and he freaks, pulls me aside and starts asking me uh, what I'd seen and all that jazz. I told him I swore I'd heard a scream and a loud thud, but no one else had. Then I described the smoke and the burnt skin hair smell. He thinks I saw an event where the madame had chased a 12-year-old slave girl up on the roof where she fell to her death on the street. No one knows that the little girl was pushed in a fit of rage, tripped, and fell to her death or simply chose to kill herself instead of ending up in the attic with the other slaves who who had upset the madame. But she did fall to her death from the roof, and it is documented. So that that house and that lady, they're real people, and that is freaky. Thank you, Callie, for sharing that jacked-up story with us.
1: Yeah, she's had all kinds of experiences. Thank you. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. So um, I have a pretty quick story from another one of our listeners, Michael Dale. Hi, Michael. Hi, Michael. Um, So he says, uh, here's my story. This happened about six or seven years ago in upstate New York in a small town. But the town is a very old town. The building that I was in was a friend of mine's apartment. The building was a very big building from the mid-1800s. I don't know if anything had happened in this building, but I know there is something evil in it. So my friend's apartment was on the first floor of this two-story apartment building, and downstairs there was a full basement, which happened to be a dirt floor. In the basement was a laundry room.
0: A root cellar. Those things are so creepy.
1: They're extremely creepy um and he said so there it was a laundry room down there and there was only um one single uh light down there mm-hmm. and there was a universal washer and dryer and the rest of the basement was pitch black mm-hmm. so uh also he said i have always been sensitive to the paranormal ever since i was young but my friend and i were walking down to the basement so she could put in a load of laundry and as i walked down the stairwell to the basement i stepped down on the dirt floor and instantly felt an uneasy feeling and looked deep into the long basement And I saw a very dark corner to the left side. And it just felt like there was something floating in the darkness there, like a shadow of something or someone. And all I know is it wasn't nice. And I was close to the outside staircase. So I stepped into the light. And as I did, the figure seemed to vanish. So my friend looked at me and said, what's wrong? And I looked at her and said, you wouldn't believe me if I told you. So she said, try me. So I told her exactly what I saw. And she looked at me and said, I believe you. At this point, she told me her story of what had happened in the apartment building, and she told me she was fast asleep one night while she was pregnant, and she woke up to something suffocating her, and she felt like someone or something's hands were around her neck. And when she finally came to and woke up her husband, she was out of breath, and she got up and went to the mirror, and she had marks on her neck from where she thought she was being strangled. Oh, good Lord. Red marks all over her neck. So she liked... The fact that someone else was able to feel something and know that there really was evil there and she wasn't imagining it. Nonetheless, I never went back to the basement and I never did ever sleep there either. And he said that's one of his stories and he'll have to send us in another. And he's really liking the podcast.
0: That's nice. Thanks, Michael. I feel like I could have had some paranormal experiences, but I just kind of go through my life not paying attention to things. I really just kind of go through just... Kind of aloof. Just, yeah, just kind of doing my thing and not, you know. So I I very well could have. I believe I might have. um, You know, but that's... Those are stories for another podcast. But, you know, it's just... I know that there are people that are very um sensitive to those kinds of things. Oh yeah. Apparently I'm not one of them. I mean there could be somebody standing on me and I would still just <laughs> sitting on your shoulders. <laughs> yeah, and I would still hey. just be like oh, you know let's let's find the pill for that. There's a pill that <laughs> I need there, that I can take that there's will a make pill that, for everything. that will make that pain go away. Exactly. So, you know, I just that's probably why I just kind of right. live mm-hmm. my life in my own little bubble.
1: Well, when we decide to finally do um a podcast like on, you know, extraterrestrial life or ufos or something like that i have a crazy story that my mom and i both witnessed when i was actually young and we were living way out in the boondocks Mm -hmm. so i have i have more stories along that range too that we'll get to eventually never been probed by a ufo i hope to god i've never been probed
0: (laughs) not i think they don't let you remember but i'm pretty sure i have not so so um thank you for listening Um, if you'd like to make a donation to help us offset the cost of, um, putting on this wonderful, uh, (laughs) it's wonderfully informative podcast about um, probing. Yes. (laughs) You can, um, you can make a donation at patreon.com, uh, backslash, uh, haunted visions. I keep wanting to say history. That's not it. (laughs) Haunted visions. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, we have a place where you can share any of your stories with us, um, that you like rachel
1: haunted visions podcast at gmail.com or you can join our private facebook group page called um, the haunted visions podcast you can just search for it and we'll be there you can send me a message or send brandy a message
0: yes uh you can also find us on the itunes and if you find us on itunes and you like us please leave us a review that helps other people find us um, and we're also on Stitcher and any other of the podcast platforms that yes. that are available to you. Mm-hmm. So, uh, anything you'd like to add, Miss Rachel?
1: No, just make sure you sleep tight and don't let the ghosties bite.
0: Thank you, everybody. Have a great day.
1: Bye.